you're listening to a talk from City Church Leeds. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleeds.net. Isn't it great to enjoy just being in the presence of God together? And uh, I believe what um, John said earlier on, that when we're together, there's a corporate anointing which we step into. We each have something individually, but there's something that God wants to express through a body. Um, today, what I'd like to do is to talk about membership. Uh, not membership of an institution or an organization or a club, but being members of a family. Uh, <clears throat> I'm specifically talking about being members of this uh, community here. And I think it'd be true to say that over, over time, this has become quite a grey area for us. And so we're going to change that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, for those of you who were here, uh, you'll remember that I spoke about Abraham and how God called him out of his idol-worshipping culture and called him to go to a land, a land of promise and how partway on that journey, uh, Abraham and his family, they settled. They settled in Haran, which if you remember means parched a waterless place. And it was only after Abraham's father died that he then he moved on responding to the call of God to go to Canaan. And in effect what we were saying was this that Abraham was getting the car moving. Uh, and we have to recognize and I believe something has happened that in our journey there's some stuff that we needed to do which was to get the car moving again because Abraham's Canaan is our kingdom. I'll say that in another way. That what God has held out for us, this land of promise, is about the kingdom. And God, gracious as he is, does not want us to settle for anything less than the glory of his kingdom. And so, um, it's important for us that if we're going to get the car moving, and I say us, I mean all of us, if we're going to get the car moving, it's important that we know who's in the car. Um, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about the background to this, why we've come to this now. But um, I think it's absolutely fascinating when you read through Scripture, you see God... He's always working through families. Ever, for, ever since day one, he, he set a couple in the garden and he said to them, right now, you two, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, he was saying, I want you and your family to be the extension and the expression of my kingdom into this world that I've created run the reel forward a bit we've mentioned Abraham already but Abraham received a promise from God that 
he and his offspring would receive this promise that he was going to inherit the earth. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, I think about uh, David. God's promise was to him and his seed that he would have a son who would sit on the throne. God is working through family, through family line. And even when we think about Old Covenant, we think about the Mosaic Covenant. When you think about God's deliverance of the people Israel from Egypt, it was the sign, wasn't it, over the doorway of the household that signified that the angel was to pass over. So they were saved by families in coming out of Egypt. And even as God later gave them the law, he gave them the law and he said, I want you to instruct your children that as you walk in the way, talk about the word. When you get up in the morning, talk about the word. When you go to bed at night, talk about the word. This was a family affair. So God has always intended that there should be a growth of the kingdom through family. And we understand that the church is family. And the church is made up of, uh, if I can put it like this, households. Um, and that's, you know, Mark mentioned that sort of rainbow of different people who will be meeting across this city. Imagine them as households. And what I want to do today is just to talk a little bit about how we establish something in terms of this household here. Some background to it. Um, if I go back probably about to the end of March, I think it was, uh, Mahdi and Mo were both there on an afternoon that we were together here with the Farsi speaking group. And we were talking about the importance of belonging. Uh, one of the issues amongst the, um, particularly amongst the Iranian community in Leeds, is that for some people at least, there is this sense in which people are happy to kind of bounce from one congregation to another without really ever finding their home. And this has an effect both for them and for the people that they're amongst. And so what we were doing on that afternoon was just sitting and talking together and we used the picture of um, a family on a street. So imagine that you and your family, you, you all live in a house or a flat or somewhere. Um, and uh, if you are raising children in your household, that's where all the key stuff goes on. That's where the business gets done, isn't it? In your home. That's where the children grow up. That's where they learn responsibility. That's where they learn how to socialize together. That's where mum and dad bring that sense of um, the values of the house. That's where mum and dad instruct the children in how to behave, not to behave. That's where discipline happens. That's where the training goes on. And if the kids were to say, um, do you know, I, I don't like this family. Can I go and live with the family over the road? Uh, in our heads, that would just kind of go, sorry? That just does not compute. 
And if they were actually to say, I'm sorry, I'm off, take their little bag, head over to the family over the road and say, I've come to live with you, they get a flea in their ear, wouldn't they? They get sent back home straight away. Because it just doesn't fit, it doesn't work. Fine for them to go and have a you know, sleepover, have tea with their friends and all that sort of thing, but that doesn't make them their family. And it's the same in our house, in the household of God, that God is establishing families where there is an order that he brings and where together we're able to be belong and where we can grow. So that was, that was something, and it was in that conversation that it triggered something for me. Then, very curiously, the following week, um, John Barge came over and we had a bit of a morning together and we were chatting and then John said to me at the end of the he said, oh, by the way, what are we doing about membership? And uh, I had to acknowledge that it was something that was really rather fuzzy. Uh, because John said to me, well, there was a time when we would all know who was part of the family. We'd, offer, we'd bring, you know, when somebody came in amongst us and we'd probably present them to the rest of the community on a, a Sunday morning or whenever and say, we want to welcome you. The, you're part of the family. You're part of this household. And that's something that we haven't done in a long time. So there was another little thing, another little seed that was kind of popping in there. And then uh, shortly after that, uh, Kate and I, we were away on our uh, brief holiday. We were down in South Wales with our grandchildren. And <coughs> our son-in-law, Mark, he's, he just said to, to us one day, he said, it's really interesting. Um, our children spend a lot of time amongst lots and lots of people. They're part of a church over in Bradford. And so they're with people all the time. And they're used to relating to lots of these grown-ups. But he said, the interesting thing is, they really know who their family is. And I thought, how interesting. I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't that I'd invited that comment. It was just, he just said it to me. And um, so, as part of a process over these last few weeks, I think what it's done, it's, it's helped us to see, yes, actually, God is putting his finger on something that's going to help us in our journey as we move forward. And it's about really understanding who we are as a family. Um, so last Sunday afternoon, what we did, we spent some time with our, uh, we have a, a leadership forum. Um, let me just see who, who was, who's, who's in that forum? There's, I can see Ben's hand at the back there, Mark, and there's a whole... Blimey, there's a whole crowd of other, thank you guys. All of our life group leaders, anybody who's got responsibility for anything that goes on in the church here, the trustees, you know, the, I've forgotten how many, there's about 17 or 18 people, would that be right? Something like that. Anyway, we were together and we had lunch last Sunday and we discussed this issue about membership and belonging and it was something that I think to every single individual everybody said yes this is something that actually we just need to be able to be clear about and so um, what we wanted to do today was just to bring some of the stuff that we talked about last weekend uh, to um, tell you how we're planning to kind of take this forward and how you can actually be involved in that process as part of 
that exercise, I'd like us just to do something quickly. Um, and what I'd like you to do, first of all, is just to think what are some of the benefits of being part of a loving family? And I'm not talking spiritual now, I'm just talking about in the ordinary natural things of life. What are the benefits of being part of a loving family? And what I'm going to do in a moment is just get you to shout out, um, try and keep it as short as possible. It might be one or two words or a phrase, but no more than that. And uh, Mark, bless him, is going to put some, he's going to write it up onto the screen so that we can all see the sort of things that people are saying. So, <clears throat> what can you think of are some of the benefits of belonging to a loving family? Be prepared to shout this out so that we can all hear. If we can't get to you, I've got a microphone here. Who'd like to go first? Lauren. Support. Thank you. Andrea. Oh, Andrea, welcome back, by the way, from your grand tour of the Antipodes. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Security. Thank you. Stability. Very good. Caring. Thank you. Thank you. Who's on? Sharing, yeah. yeah. Uh, understanding, well done. Hey, great, fantastic. Acceptance. Acceptance. Good role models. Good role models. Are you getting this fast enough? Hang on. Let's give the guy a... Oh, hello. Should we resort to low tech and get the flip chart? Okay, okay. Okay. Support, stability, understanding, acceptance, role model. Um, anybody can't see what they wrote up there? Lauren, what, yours was support, wasn't it? Um, security, somebody said. Caring. Yeah. Have we missed anything off yet? People that you can securely give love to. Right, okay. People you can securely give love to. Okay. Uh, just one moment. Hello. Hello. <laughs> My name's John. What's I'm your Carol. You're Carol. It's really nice to see you. And what's your daughter's name? Alia. Alia. Hi, Alia. Nice to meet you. Great to see you today. Thanks for coming. Hello, Sarah. Tell you what. Yeah, I do. Now, do you mind? I'm just telling you that. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Sorry, it was belonging, was that it? Yeah, have we got that up there? Belonging, yeah. Okay. Clean clothes. Yeah. Derek. Mum hyphen cooked food, is that it? Yeah, so, yeah, provision. Just how it's there, Philip? Togetherness, okay, yep. Being able to, ah, oh, right. Being able to sort things through, yeah, very good, okay. All right, welcoming others, great. Are we getting all these, Mark? I think we better stop there. We got. Oh, know you belong. Is that part of belonging? Maybe. Know you belong. Yeah, yeah, could be.
Um, if it's going off the screen, we'll stop there. Yeah, okay. Does that all fit? Oh, okay, okay. Hugs. Yeah. John. Correction. Yeah. Protection. Okay. Learning from somebody else's mistakes. This is a great family, isn't it? Don't you think? Learning from each other's mistakes. Okay. Um, it's not difficult, is it? I mean, as you just demonstrated, it's not difficult to think of why God invented families. Uh, it's, it is such a rich environment, isn't it, in which to grow. Okay, now let's try something else. Let's just ask ourselves, what are some of the responsibilities of being part of a loving family? And maybe some of them relate to the things that we've put up there already. The other column, yes please. Yeah, so some of the responsibilities of being, growing up in a loving family. Lauren. Cleaning up after yourself. Oh, yes. You've got a well-trained, guys. Addy. Listening. Can I... Did you... There was something else on the end. Oh, listening to what people say. Yeah, very good. Yep. Sue? <laughs> yeah. So, giving everything that's on the first list. That's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely great, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's, that's really good. Serving. Serving, yeah. Giving yeah. way to somebody else's needs. Giving way to somebody else's needs. Availability. Helping each other, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, have we, I think we had listening up there, yeah, listening, yeah. Yeah, understanding. It's, as Sue said, it's all the, it's the other side of all that stuff, isn't it? So, the principle of when you, when you give and give away, you receive. So it's something where all that kind of stuff is learnt, isn't it? That's great, Sarah. Right, I'm going to draw this to a close now. So... Um, I just let you can you all see those lists I just allow you to reflect on those for a moment um, as you're doing that I just want to do a little bit of a historical review to just to explain I think where we've come to today and try and focus for us where I think we're going to go with this um, back in this, I mean, this church started in the early 80s. And at that time, we had a, a, um, a way of people being able to connect with the body here through what, and some of you are going to remember this, through um, commitment classes that led to an application stroke acceptance of coming into membership. Sarah. If you want to chat, do you, oh. mind, do you mind just going out I there? I want to Okay, Don't good love. Okay, love. Sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, 
The, and the kind of ingredients that we put into the commitment class uh, would be things like this. We, we talk about things we believe, you know, so we talk about um, the work of Jesus, the cross of Christ, faith in him, repentance, baptism, baptism in the spirit, uh, life in the spirit, discipleship, all those kinds of things. And we'd also talk about um, our, our church practice, so things like giving and tithing and the, the way the church was structured and led and all that sort of stuff. Um, and what people did was they had the opportunity to be able to hear and listen and then at the end of that to say, well, actually, yeah, I can go along with all that stuff. And there was a, a decision then made by the leadership of the, of the church um, based on, first of all, people's acceptance of those principles and practice, but also on some other things. So we'd often have things like um, whether people had any kind of unresolved issues in their lives, you know, whether it was to do with relationships or, or money or things like that. And also whether or not people demonstrated um, the actual desire to change wherever there was an issue of that kind. And so that was the way it worked. And I believe that it was developed because out of the very best of, of motives. I think it's important to say something about the context. At that time, there were, um, there was, if you like, lots of controversy about the sorts of things that we were preaching and teaching. Um, we also had a lot of people who were coming to us from other church streams and denominations. And so it was really important that we were clear about what it was that we, we were saying and that people weren't just coming along for the ride. And they also understood that this did involve a, a commitment. So that, um, that was how things had developed. But over time, um, our practice changed. And I think that the kinds of things that people encountered sometimes had the effect of feeling like there was um, a very rigid application of things. People felt the church was um, a demanding kind of institution in the wrong sort of way, you know. Um, and at the same time, we were questioning, do we have a right as the body of Jesus to impose any other kind of requirement that Jesus himself did not do. So were we applying a standard that Jesus doesn't? Interesting question, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> the effect of that was this, that we basically said, no, the, we understand that Jesus himself accepted people, he received them, uh, on the basis of their confession of faith, you know, their faith in him. And that's how we ought to be. And so we did. We basically opened our doors. Um, and all sorts of things followed from that, which I'll say a little bit about in a minute. But um, it's, it's made us go back and think about how Jesus himself, how, he, how did he work with people? And now you're probably all already, you're going there in your mind, aren't you? You're thinking of situations, I hope, 
of, of situations where Jesus encountered people. How did he handle them? Um, what was his attitude? How did he receive and respond to them? What we know is this, that Jesus essentially welcomed everybody who came. So people, they witnessed, they observed the grace that was on his life. They could see the power of God that was with him, that he moved in, the miracles that he did. They heard and saw with their own eyes the authority with which Jesus spoke. And all of those things they were drawn to. And he received them. I don't see any record of Jesus turning somebody away. He had a, a few stiff words to say to certain groups of people who opposed him, people like the scribes and the Pharisees. But, it, but as far as ordinary people were concerned, Jesus was very, very open-handed. And what you see in the scripture is quite simply this, that what he would do would be to bring the word of God, the plumb line of God's written word, but also the plumb line of his own life. He is the word. And we see, don't we, instances of people who heard the word from him and who through their own choice walked away because the word that he was bringing had such a challenge to it, it touched issues for them of a personal nature. And it wasn't Jesus who sent them away, but they realized that to walk with him meant something deeply challenging. It was an entirely free offer, but what he pointed out to them was the cost of being a disciple. Now somehow, I believe, God wants the line that we walk to exemplify exactly that. That we welcome, that we are full of grace, that we demonstrate the power of God, that our word isn't just man's word, but the word of God. And that <clears throat> we are open to, to speak what we hear from God concerning an individual's life, but that the choice is theirs. So somehow that's something that we, we have to see what that actually means in practice. Now, you're all looking at me very serious. I honestly don't think this is a, a serious... It, it's serious, but it's not serious. It's not... Do you know what I mean? Um, because what God is after all the time in all this is something that produces such life which is deeply, deeply attractive to people whose condition is lost. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that the, that we went kind of the other way, we just opened the doors and said, you know, anybody welcome, come in. Um, and that's had some, some effects for us, which are like this. Um, things basically just got fuzzy. So like John was saying, we don't know who's part of the family and who isn't. 
Um, it means that new people who come are unclear about what it means to belong to this house. They don't necessarily appreciate what the benefits are and the responsibilities of actually being part of the family here. So the, the rest of us don't know who we're looking out for. And it, it means that for those who have any kind of pastoral responsibility, and I'm not just talking about us in leadership, I mean any of us who have any kind of role like that, we don't know uh, who we are responsible for or who we are accountable for. Similarly, people don't know who they are accountable to, or who they, who they can go to in those kind of situations. And unintentionally, I suspect that part of what we've done is actually to support this kind of, <clears throat> and I'm not saying this about anybody here, but it supports a kind of me-centered um, approach, a kind of consumerist idea that basically when you go to church, you can go shopping. You know? You can go here or there and end up with the thing that particularly suits your personal preference. Well, I'm afraid the family that you got born into, God did not ask you for your preference before he put you there. So there's something bigger about belonging to the family uh, than simply, do I happen to like the style of worship or do I like, you know, it's, it's not that. Um, those of you who've been around long enough will probably recognize what it is I'm saying. And there's just one final thing about that. Um, it was a feature of Israel's journey through the wilderness <clears throat> um, that the company, as they traveled, they stayed together. But you do see there, through the Exodus, that the people like the Midianites and the tribes that were being displaced as a result of the arrival of these Hebrews, um, the enemies of the people of God, they would nibble away at the stragglers. The strays got picked off. Now what I'm saying is this, that in the family of God, we cannot afford to have strays and stragglers. People cannot afford to be in that category because they are vulnerable. They are a target for the enemy. And that is not something we want to... We do not want to give him any room for manoeuvre. So part of this thing about bringing into focus this idea of belonging to the family here is in order to counter some of those things that have been part of our experience over the last few years. Am I making sense? Yeah? And does this sound as if it might be helpful? Yeah? Um, what we want to do is to remedy both the abuses and the weaknesses of the past. And so we want for everybody to be clear who's in the family, i.e. Um, who's in the car, because we've got some moving to do. Um, you can push that analogy too far. We don't want people falling out or falling off. A big bus. Can it really, can it really be? Absolutely. This is a spiritual bus. Yes. Very, very flexible. Um, yeah. So, what, as we embark on this journey, 
Um, we're going, the first three steps, if you like, are going to be these. Um, number one, the, the leadership forum that I was talking about, that 18 or so people that have some kind of role or responsibility here, um, we've got an away day planned at the beginning of June. And what we're going to do is picking up all the kinds of ideas and the discussion that went on last Sunday, we're going to shape those into... Um, basically a, a proposal. So my, some, we're going to put some stuff down on paper and on that away day on June the 8th we're going to work it through together and see what it is that we believe God is showing us in terms of how we make this workable in practice. So that's, that's the first step. Now this next step uh, is your action point. What we want you to do please is um, in your life groups, we want you between now and that date on June, June the 8th is to bring your thoughts and your ideas to the life groups about how a membership system, if you like, can work in practice for us. What it might look like, what the ingredients need to be, what the elements of it should be. Um, and we want you to be able to share that in those settings so that the life group leaders are able then to bring it to the discussion that we have on the 8th of June. Uh, alternatively, if you either, you, you know, for whatever reason you can't get to life group or you have, you know, you just got some thoughts you want to put down personally, then please would you just put them into um, an email or you can write it in letter form and use the email address on the website or just email it to us here and we'll pick that up and we'll feed that into that process because what we want to be able to do is for this thing to have a sense that we have really worked it through together and that what we come out with is something that we can all go yes and even though everybody's idea might not all be reflected in there at least there's been an opportunity to contribute um, so that's step number two are you all clear about what we're asking you to do on that one. Could these questions be posted in any way, John? So we can refer to the points to reply to. Um, just say how you think that might work, Mel. Just repeat the question and say how you think it would work. If there are a number of questions, uh, issues or points that we would like to raise, right. it would be handy if we know what the headings were for those points so that we can direct our thoughts and answers. Okay, that's a thought. Oh. Sorry, it's, it's, I'm sorry, I was, um, the, uh, the issue that Mel was asking, well not an issue but the question, was simply this, is there any way that in order to be able to contribute, the, the questions or issues that we're seeking to resolve could be posted somehow and people then respond to them? Um, I don't know, you got any thoughts on that? Um, I don't, I actually, I'm thinking there aren't a series of headings. That's the only thing, Mel. Um, it's not like we've got particular points we're trying to... It's just to give the opportunity f for people to surface stuff that they think might be an issue. Y yes? Could we, um, thinking about myself as a life group leader, could we, um, as people feed things back to us, feed it into 
a home page or something so that people know what other people are contributing. Therefore, we get Great. a wider sense of, yeah. you know, and a wider discussion. Great. Okay. Um, that could be done. Yeah, so the, you got the idea there that as stuff gets raised, it could be fed up and we could be, be posted, presumably, could sort that out on our webpage. Great. Um, I will say this, that um, this is not a free-for-all. It's really seeking together the mind of God in how this might actually work practically. Um, and ultimately, somebody's actually got to say this is how it how it's going to work and hopefully through that, that time we have together on June the 8th we'll come to many of those conclusions. Okay, um, so um, one, the th that's, that was the second step and the third step is that the leadership forum agreed unanimously that we do actually need some kind of, some body of teaching that sets out what, you know, what our vision and values and beliefs and all that kind of thing um, we need that body of teaching to be out there so that people can access it and so that it can be um, clear to everyone. We have tried to do that in the past. Um, I would say not with a great deal of take up. But um, So what we thought we would do uh, as a kind of lead in to this whole um, new phase, if you like, is that starting on, uh, I think it's Sunday the 26th of May, um, we will be, on the Sunday mornings, <clears throat> we will actually be doing a series which is pulling that stuff together and what we're going to do is weave it around our LEADS acronym. You know, the loved, empowered, equipped, devoted, sent. And we're going to build around that um, so just setting out our, our beliefs, the kind of things that people would want to know who are coming to us for the very first time. So that's the third step in this initial phase. So any questions so far, apart from those we've had already? Andrea. Oh, yes it is, isn't it? Okay, okay. 26th of May, I've just been reminded, is a bank holiday weekend. Um, in fact, I think we're away then as well. <laughs> Oops. Um, what would be helpful? I mean, a lot of people are going to be away that weekend because we can just put it back a, a week if... Hmm? You're not here. Anybody? You're away. You're away. So maybe it would be helpful if we just actually put it back till the beginning of June. We'll think on that one. But thank you, Andrea. Very, I can always rely on you to be so practical. She wasn't our church secretary for nothing, you know. Okay. Um, I just want to finish off uh, by reading a short passage from the Word, which I think helps us to try and grasp a little bit of what's in the heart of God by setting us in family and how this actually all it originates with him it's in Ephesians chapter 3 and it's that passage which begins in verse 14 through to the end of the chapter and I'm reading here from the NIV I think 
Um, the, the passage begins like this. He says, for this reason, and he goes on to explain the reason later, but he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I'll just pause there for a moment. That word for family is the Greek word patria, which comes from the Greek for father, pater. Um, so there's this sense of the fatherness of God, as established in the heavenly realm, is to be expressed out through families, both in heaven and on earth. Don't ask me what that means. But it says something to me that there is something about the culture of heaven which is family. That being so, we as the people of God on earth have a call to be able to manifest that culture, that family culture which is in heaven, in the earth. So that people in the earth can connect with their Father who is in heaven. So Paul prays, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he goes on, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's one of those confusing expressions in Scripture, isn't it? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. What he's saying is, that you might know by experience the love of God that passes your comprehension. That's what those two words mean. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, it, it, when you stop and let those words sink in, it's phenomenal, isn't it? That you may be filled to all the fullness of God. You collectively may be filled all the fullness of God and then he finishes with this wonderful declaration he says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. What is what he's saying? I won't try and but just one thing I want to try and pull out of this is that God, out of his own immeasurable resources, has conferred on us the blessings, get this, of sonship by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He has come to live in us in order that we in our heart are able to declare Abba, Father. He brings us this connection 
in life with our Father. And in so doing, he introduces us to all those who have that same connection, the household of God. That together, by the power of the Spirit and the love of Jesus, which is manifest through us, we're able to reproduce in the earth this fullness that God so desires to see. It's the other, another way of expressing the glory of God filling the earth. His fullness everywhere manifest through a people. And all this to his glory. His glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's get the car moving, the bus, whatever it is. But we just want for everybody to be on board and to know they're on board, to know who their family is, to be able to work out together all this stuff that you brilliantly called out earlier on. Why don't we just take the last few minutes while we're together just to break bread? And in it, just to be able to say, Lord, our desire is to walk with you, to manifest this family culture of heaven here on the earth.